It's time to be the queen of your stress. With the queen of stress, Dr. M. Hey there, BQS listeners, and welcome to today's episode. I'm Dr. M, and this podcast is designed to help inspire change in how you see, manage, and use your stress. So you can be the queen of your stress, not your stress being the queen over you. In today's episode, I'm very excited to be continuing the Q&A session that I recorded with the amazing Dr. Damien Christoph. For those of you who've been following along on the BQS journey, you would have known that we actually had a live event in Shell Harbour in October 2019, that we were inundated with so many questions at the end of said live workshop that uh, Dr. Damien and I decided that the best way to answer all of those questions was to record a podcast that we could release. So I hope you enjoy today's episode of all the questions and our answers to those various questions from our Head, Heart and Gut First workshop in Shell Harbour uh, in October 2019. For those of you who are not familiar with the amazing Dr. Damien Christoph, he's an amazing naturopath, nutritionist, and an amazing chiropractor. He is a regular on Triple M in Melbourne. He has had his own television show called Downsize Me. He is the co-founder of The Wellness Couch, which is an amazing podcast channel, which is the channel that BQS is currently hosted on. He does a plethora of other things as well, and he's an all-round great guy, and I'm very, very blessed to call him one of my dear, dear friends. So enjoy today's episode of our Q&A special from head heart gut first and that brings to another question in terms of from a vitamin d perspective is there was a question on the evening about if you're doing everything right and we might touch on what the key areas are to do things right to help vitamin d within our system is if you're doing everything right and you're still in deficit what might that mean Uh, and what's that some of the things you'd be looking at doing to increase vitamin d levels well i heard that there was really lovely lady there that's um you know going i i do everything. I'm out in the sun. I have a little bit of dairy. I'm doing everything that's actually going to increase my vitamin D. So we spoke then about the potential for malabsorption issues. So if your vitamin D levels are poor, but you've been doing all the ones, then maybe you look at malabsorption. So that could be part of the problem. So it might, let's say it's celiac disease or it's a FODMAP or a fructose malabsorption issue, then that could cause you low levels of vitamin D. But it could also cause you low levels of other things too, like magnesium and calcium and boron and manganese and copper and, and and iron. All these nutrients might also be poorly absorbed as a result of a malabsorption problem. So if malabsorption's been out and it's not a malabsorption issue, so there's no celiac disease or foggy, then to the extent of our knowledge at this point in time, on the 1st of November 2019, there's not much else that you consider from malabsorption because we don't know many other malabsorption profiles. I think if we think about it, we've got cystitis, we've probably got Sjogren's disease, we could have scleroderma, um, crest, which are all big ones, and then the more common ones are celiac disease and then... um, um, FODMAP issues. So if, if all of those malabsorption profiles have been eliminated, then you then to look at the genetics to see whether or not somebody has the ability to manufacture vitamin D. And in some cases, people don't have the genetic ability to manufacture vitamin D. So they've got to actually take supplemental vitamin D all of the time, mm. all of the time. And so it might be 1,000 or 2,000, 3,000 or 5,000 IUs of vitamin D every single day to sustain their levels. So... Mm. While we're talking about 
doses. Uh, somebody asked, you mentioned olive oil extract in your conversation the other night. Somebody asked how much should you be taking to actually boost your immune system? Of vitamin D? No, sorry, of olive oil extract. Oh, of olive oil. Oh, oh, right. Well, really depending on the extract. And so the extract different across the brands. So it's not going to be always the same. So look at the brand the bottle. It'll tell you what the recommended dose is. But you don't need to take lots, just the frequency of it. So you might take it six times a day and have small amounts of it. You might take three times a day and have slightly more amounts of it. Um, but it's frequency of it as opposed to the total dose of it. So it's kind of like you need to eat a 1,000 apples in your lifetime to live a long, healthy life. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to eat a 1,000 apples in one day. You're just going to take That'd be crazy. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oof, imagine the diarrhea. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> all, the, all, the, all the constipation, one or the other. It's either going to back poo. you up or get rid of it. Well, one of the That's things it. that we ended on the other night, well, poo came up so naturally then. Um, you were talking about your sesame seed test, and uh, I think that's an appropriate time to ask you about that now because a lot of people would have heard your Power of Food talk before that are, are listeners of 100 Not Out. Some of the BQS listeners may have heard it before. A lot won't have, though. So why are you so passionate about sesame seeds? <laughs> it's not so much sesame seeds are really easy to see. <laughs> That's all it is. So um, sesame seeds are a really great little um, tool to use to see whether or not your transit time is appropriate. And so the schools have thought in around how quickly food should go from the mouth to them. And, um, and, and in the literature, it's generally agreed that a 12 to 24 hour appropriate so to check to see where food goes from your mouth to your rectum in that period, you put in there something that it can see. So some people might do beetroot juice, but I think it moves through quicker because it's quite aggressive on the gut, um, also because it's liquid. Um, but I put in there something, I put in there sesame seeds or you put in there corn, and, and both of those are poorly digested. Um, and you could use other nuts or you could use you know, cashews or whatever else. Like you'll see come through, but sesame seeds just appear to be a bit more pull to absorb, you know, to get down than to swallow a whole cashew or to swallow a peanut or whatever else. The, the key thing here is that that doesn't get digested. As a result, you should see it in your stool in a couple of days' time. Um, okay. At the most, it might be within 12 to 24 hours, which so is anything pre, So anything pre-12 hours is a concern because things aren't being absorbed properly and if you think post a few days, be concerned about for other reasons? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Clayton, um, constipation generally implies either a lack of fibre, um, a lack of good bacteria, um, stasis of the gastrointestinal system or paralysis of the gastrointestinal system result of increased methane. Um, so that... And then, of course, that's an unhealthful situation to be in. But what's more unhealthy is to have seeds coming out too quickly because that's malabsorption, so that's vitamins and insufficiencies, mineral insufficiencies as a result. Um, in, in the case of vitamin D and calcium, they're the bones, and so you might get some bone loss. But also um, having mucus stool or mucus in the bowels um, is a key indicator of inflammation of the stool of the bowels. And that should be investigated by your health practitioner. And if you've got a GP, go and speak to your GP and they mention it. If you see a path or your osteopath or your chiropractor, see whoever it is to ask about a loose bowel because that's not normal. That should be ordered out pretty quickly. 
Mm. And to add to that is if you're speaking to any of those practitioners that you just met and they uh, seem unsure, ask them to recommend you to somebody else that might be more sure. Because I think that sometimes I've certainly had that experience with clients of mine where, uh, you know, they've been to other modalities and they've come in and said, oh, they said, don't worry about it. And and sometimes we've got to ask the next question because sometimes people get thrown off a little bit if um, if their practitioner that they, they trust and love uh, isn't pointing them in the right direction. Totally. There was a question on the night, and it was a very specific question about a young man, actually happens to be somebody I look after, um, and his mum was asking around dark circles under his eyes that do reduce after an adjustment but then they come back, what that might be a suggestion of because uh, I have a feeling that will also draw in another question that we have uh, to follow yeah. up with. It can be two things. It could be hypoxia, um, which, is, um, which is low oxygen levels of the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be allergy, um, mm. which, you know, is very, very close. So um, if in the situation, and I know I did to the mother of this young boy uh, mm. on the night, and I don't know whether or not I mentioned the use of probiotics to stem um, allergies, but maybe in this regard, potentially we might be using LE or um, you know, LP33 as strains of bacteria to help downregulate uh, mast cell degranulation or allergies. So that might be a good approach. In some cases, uh, there can be a drop of the cranial uh, in the in the cranial vault inside the mouth, and so you might see the sphenoid kind of drop down, which means that people become a mouth breather; they can't breathe through their nose. Um, or it might actually be using um, oxygen as efficiently as what they should be. Some people might have a vascular issue, so it could be cardiac. Uh, and so, it's, you know, you rule out any kind of cardiac insufficiency. Um, but of course, fitness, so it's always good to get people fit. Mm. So these are all things that you can have as potentially being the causes of that. Mm. And so that brings us very beautifully into, uh, we were talking, obviously, we both are chiropractors, one of the things that we both do. Uh, there was a question about what is an adjustment and, and how can it have an impact on, on stress and how well our body is or is not adapting to stress. So you want to take that one away, DK? Yeah, totally. So I was listening to James Chestnut once and he was talking about how uh, the cerebellum has direct communication uh, through the and descending cerebrus cerebellar tract. I love that you can repeat that. (laughs) It was something like, and so I'm pretty sure cerebrospinal spinal tract, yeah. And so the ascending and the descending tracts, they're um, uh, stimulated and modified by movement and chiropractic offers a large amount of movement up in the upper cervical spine where there's lots of nerves that ascend and descend as a uh, impacts um, in the spinal cord. And so his thing was, and he had he presented all the research on this, uh, was that the regulation of the stress response as a result of the adjustment, um, you know, to the upper cervical spine was of the cerebellar um, response or control over movement, um, and then the subsequent down regulation of the stress response. So that's that's how it works. A simple way to you know let you know that it actually does it. Now, does that every single adjustment decreases the effective stress? Uh, and the, the reality is that it's probably yes, but to different extent based on what else is going on in your life. So you might find that there's a reduction in stress um, over time. You might find there's a reduction in stress very quickly. 
but what works for one person may not work for another person every time. So mm. it's good to keep that in mind. You know, look at all the things that are also you know stress reducing, such as a walk or getting some sunlight, having some light. All those sorts of things will also contribute to a reduction in stress. Absolutely. And then to answer that other question, the adjustment is the stimulation system. And we do that through either an instrument or we do it through our hands, moving the segments of the spine um, and uh, an adjustment is. So in some cases that may result in a, a of or a pop of the spine um, or if it's an adjustment, then you'll hear or feel a slight little push, you'll hear a little, but that won't be of the spine. Generally you won't get an audible pop from that. But it's a stimulation of the nervous system to... Uh, allow reduction in stress. Love it. And one of the things I, I mean, I think what we do for uh, for our hands-on work is so super freaking cool. Um, we get to see some amazing changes in people, and and I think sometimes people get confused about how long an adjustment should take, or whether it's comfortable, whether it hurts, you know, how safe it is. All those sorts of questions come up for people because often we get uh, we get a bad rap out us chiropractors for lots of different reasons. That's another podcast that we probably should record at some point. But the, the reality is adjustments themselves don't take very long to actually do, So, which is awesome because then you get to fit it into a busy lifestyle. Uh, I know your practice uh, and the flow in the practice is so beautiful that people can actually fit their chiropractic care in super busy lifestyles and that actually helps them cope better with those super busy lifestyles, which I really love. And and uh, and adjustments themselves should be really comfortable. That's the mm. other part to it. Yeah, they should be comfortable. And sometimes an adjustment may be slightly uncomfortable. But if it's been there for a long time or you've done something that's, you know, that it may just be a little bit uncomfortable mm. in the restoration of um, it's not meant to be uncomfortable all of the time, but uh, it may it may not always feel comfortable. But that's the same as squats. By the time you've been doing squats for fifty five seconds, they're no longer comfy. You keep on doing them, so it's just it's just what you've got to do. Like things right. Absolutely, I love it. I love it. All right, we're bringing it home. We've got a few more questions to go. There were twenty two questions the other night. That's the <laughs> most questions in Q and A ever. So we were never wow. getting through those in half an hour ever. No way. Uh, no ever. way. Ever. 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 Unless we went yes, no, yes, no, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm so pleased we've had the opportunity to be able to expand on it a little more. Um, are there any books that you'd recommend, DK, in terms of? Uh, that you would recommend that people can be reading around stress and depression, obviously, apart from my book, Align, Be the Queen of Your Stress. Is there any other, do you like that plug? Is there any other books that uh, that are your go-to resources that are, are great for um, people that might be listening to, to use as resources? Oh, yeah, totally. There's one great book uh, that I that I love, that book uh, written by a guy by Matt Church called The High Life. I really love that book. Um, that was, that was a great book, but you can't get it anymore. And if you could get a copy, send me a copy because uh, <laughs> I would be right. um, oh, Nothing like you, talking about dinosaurs then. <laughs> I know, right? But it was great, right? But these days, a quintessential book to get in and around stress goes along and supports a line, which is just a believable book, um, is the SD Protocol mm. by Wad. And the SD protocol outlines essentially why we feel so stressed and how that scale or that graduation of stress actually impacts our life. And um, it's really, it's done in a really great way so that you can actually understand where you are in that stress 
paradigm or that stress continuum. And uh, and then it outlines what you need to do to kind of un, uh, you know, the direction that you're heading to. So um, I love that book. I think Wayne Todd has done an incredible job of how stress impacts the body and overall health. So it's probably actually part of what Angela did, but um, it's Angela and Wayne Todd, uh, his book, um, the, the SD Pro. It's awesome. Yeah, I love it. And um, people were put my teeth back in. A BQS listener certainly would have heard me speaking about it before because uh, Dr. Todd's SD protocol was the inspiration of the start of Queen of Stress and my stressless workshops that I started to run and then incorporating some of the other work that I've been teaching for many years. So it's such powerful work. And as you said, DK, is that it's, it's an easy read, it's easy to understand and, and very tangible tools that you can be putting into place straight away, which that's the sort of stuff I like to read. I don't like to necessarily sit in a lot of detail. I like the nuts and bolts and, and being taught through story is how I, I remember best. And there's some really cool stories in um, the SD protocol in terms of the, the changes people had as they were incorporating the, the protocol itself, which is, which is as, as you said, and, and I certainly 100% agree, uh, is a great read. Let's get stuck into some habit shifts now because these are the last two or three questions. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the, the segue, the beautiful segue is the power of breath because it's something that you were talking about in terms of a breathing pattern uh, in different workshops that I run now and certainly at our Ziva Life Collective Retreat, we talk a lot about the power of breath uh, and how important it was. And you were taking people through a particular breathing exercise to help go to sleep. Do you want to share that one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's I learned Parts of the Shane and Angelina Saunders, uh, mm. they run a, a, a group called Breathe Me uh, or a podcast called Breathe Me. Uh, they've got a company called The Breathing Edge. Uh, and Shane and Ange talk about styles and different types of breathing that could help your body out. But then um, Todd also talks about breathing. Um, and then I, I don't know where I read it, but I kind of just recognized also um, breathing from the tummy Probably even do yoga, maybe I learnt it. But it just kind of also states the the parasympathetic nervous system to fire up. So when you get to sleep and when you want to decrease stress, you want to go further into your parasympathetic state and further away from a sympathetic state. So breathing that. So all I was saying to people is draw a long breath for a long period of time, hold that breath, and then Hold that breath over a long period of time, then hold the emptiness of that absence of breath before you start to then draw in another big breath. And so, you know, in the space of maybe a couple of minutes, only take 10 breaths. But the idea that they help you get to sleep is the most profound thing. So if you're lying on your back, focus on your tongue sitting behind your, the back row of your teeth, so the row of your teeth, the back row of your teeth, the bottom row of your teeth, you'll... um. Yeah. you'll drift off to sleep really, really quickly. So if you're in a parasympathetic state, you actually will drift off to sleep uh, much more easily than if you're in a sympathetic state, which is a emotion-charged mental, mentative um, phase of nervous system activity. Mm. One of the questions that followed up from that particular question, which we, we may need to guess what they meant by this particular question uh, because of the way that it, it was written down, was along the white lines of... Uh, if I can't take a deep breath, does that mean I'm stuck in fight flight? So, or why would I be, why is it that I, I can't take a deep breath? So there's a few different reasons around that uh, in, in terms of 
habits that we have when we breathe. There's a lot of people that hold their breath a lot and they're shallow breathers. Do you want to speak a little bit about the impact that that has? Well, my breathing uh, implies that there's trapped gas or air, not necessarily oxygenated air in the lungs. And so shallow breathing leads to hypoxia as well, right? So hypoxia being a state of... um, low oxygen levels in the bloodstream. So it should be maintained around 98, 99, 100% um, in, in our bloodstream. But some people actually have really, really low levels of oxygenation in the bloodstream, like in the 80% or even 70% oxygen. Um, if you're not used to breathing deep, you might find that it's hard to actually get your body to do it. So that could be it. You might also find that if you've got subluxation function in the spinal cord, um, that you don't relax and don't take a deep breath. So that could be it. Maybe you haven't learned mm. how to deep breath in. So maybe that could be it. Or maybe there's something more significant going on. You could have asthma or bronchitis um, or just weak lung control. Um, but if you really, if you've tried everything, it may be worth just rocking up to your GP and just getting it out whether or not you've got a breathing dysfunction. Mm. Um, but it's, it's always... Good to try the simple stuff first. If you try the simple stuff and that's not happening, then go down, go and get things um, investigated. And if everything comes back there clean and clear, then maybe it's harder. Mm. Well, it's interesting when it comes to our habits with breathing. I know that for many, many years, uh, and still when I'm not, if I lose my awareness of it, is I'll, I'll sit only breathing very shallowly in the top of my chest, and and it's it's as soon as I drop back down into more of a diaphragmatic breath, it's amazing how much more relaxed I can be very, very quickly. One of the questions that came up was, and which fits in beautifully at this point is how do we choose habits that are worthwhile? And I think it's, it's a really interesting question to ask because we look, we could, this could be a three day podcast if we started talking about habits that are worthwhile. Um, (laughs) But when it comes to stress, I think there's, there's a few that I, I certainly would be picking picking out and choosing, but I'll let you go first, DK. What would be some of the more worthwhile habits that you would hope people are incorporating? I think the simple stuff I was with you, Maria, it's, you know, eating good food and drinking water, getting lots of sleep, um, I think, and moving. These are the things that you, you want to do that are the good habits. And anything outside of that are kind of the bonuses, but just living a, a mindful life I think are really important. You know, going back to your meditation story, you know, for some people, um, that could be the saviour. That might be the one that actually drops them then into a better health practice. Which right. Just eating salads two times a day could be what brings people to better, you know, like health hygiene. So just think about what it is that you can do that you would enjoy doing that actually assist you in uh, moving towards more great habits. It's really the thought process around what do I want to do? What else, you know, could I enjoy? And what do I do to make each of these things easier to implement? So it's not, I don't want to be too prescriptive in this regard, but just doing one thing would be great. Um, but, you know, what, I don't know, Marie, what do you think are the, the most important things to do or to work on? Well, for me, I go back to my energy equation that I talk about uh, in my book and in various podcasts, which is optimal energy equals fab food times fitness to the power of connection and uh, inspiration. Because if we've got those 
basic foundations in place. That's where I think people get a bit muddled. They might hear things that I'm doing or things that you're doing. We've been doing this stuff for a really long time. So we've got the foundations in place. So I think number one, I totally agree with you, is looking at those foundations of eating good foods more often, making sure you're moving, um, sleep, quality of mindset then I think plays a big part. So one of the, the things that I would point people to is, is something along the lines like my eight ball quiz that they can do on thequeenofstress.com where it gives them an idea of what areas in their health at the moment might not be functioning so well because then you can shift habits around the areas that might need a bit of cleaning up quickly. If you're not quite sure yeah. where to start, that's a great place to start because then you can get some direction. Um, yeah. And, and then when you're talking about meditation, to me, that's where that's the connection and inspiration piece. So if you've got the food and the, the fitness working and moving well, um, which we talked about earlier, the importance of uh, connection and, or engagement and then also purpose, that's what, that's what supercharges those other aspects. And, you know, I know we've had this conversation regularly, DK, where when we're looking at um, different marketing techniques that different companies use when it looks at fear-based stuff around food and weight or fear-based stuff around exercise. And people get really anal about those two things and they forget the other components are so important, particularly from the emotional mindset point of view. So I think having hygiene, as you call it, or, or good rituals or routines around those key areas are so important um, when we're starting to layer good habits on good habits on good habits because uh, I spoke about shit sandwiches down at the Wellness Summit <laughs> earlier in the year, is that is we can either keep attracting those or we can start actually attracting better habits. And the more good habits we put in place, it's, I've certainly found the more the better the habits become and the, the more I can actually leverage them in various aspects of my life as well. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I like it. What a way to end. Oh, there's one more question. That I oh, there's more. Oh. There's just one more. There's oh, one more. Oh, done. Oh, yeah, very cool. Lucky, All right. Very lucky last question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which actually fits into this beautifully, which is if you're already getting, well, I was speaking at, on the other night about what time I get up now, what time my first alarm goes off majority of mornings, which is in the fours. I did explain yeah. why. And I'm not, before anybody freaks out and turns the podcast yeah. off, that's why I left it off till the end. So I used to get, a couple of years ago, I'd get up in the sixes and then I shifted the possibilities of what if I got up in the fives. And then I realized what happened if I wanted to fit it all in, I actually needed to start my meditation practice in the fours. Um, that is a podcast for another time. However, one of the questions was if I'm already doing that and I'm, I'm you know, under the pump with family, work, life, et cetera, and how do, you, how do you fit it all in? And I think this comes back to our habits but also how we're managing our time and energy and maybe we can finish off on how we're managing our time and energy because this is really where we can start using our stress for good. It's where we can start leveraging our time and our productivity um, to really be able to design the life that we want to be living in so many ways. Sorry about that. Marcus Pierce just all through and I was like trying to get rid of that. So sorry ah, about that. That's okay. Did you, <laughs> actually, did, you hear the, did you hear the question? He obviously is jealous that he's not on this recording. We should have got, I know. We should have got <laughs> him in, in, as, uh, in on it as well. Um, I know. That would have been great. He's, he's speaking at the GoVita thing and he trying to call me throughout the podcast and then I just had to like get rid of that call and sort of message. So can you ask that question again, please? I can ask that question again. If people are already feeling like they're getting up as early as they can, doesn't have to be in the force, whatever time they currently feel is their earliest and they feel like they're at capacity, how yes. can they fit it all in? What would be your thoughts as far as that's concerned? Well, I think you mentioned yeah. that it's very unusual for people to not be able to fit it all in. Um, in you know, in all the people, all the time you've been working with people, you've only, only yeah. had one person who's actually time deficient. 
every right. time that they can pull from somewhere. But it comes back to your values. You know, how much do you really want this to happen? It's not going to be easy to make. It's, it's never really that easy to do something different to what you have been doing for a long time. So you, you need to ask yourself the question, how much are you willing to change? How much are you do to get the result that you're after? Um, and then that should help you arrive at the decision as to what sorts of things you might fit into your life or what sorts of things you might take out of your life. So let's say you're watching The Deadliest Catch on, <laughs> I don't know, Netflix or Channel 7, whatever it is, I don't know what it's on these days, at 30 at night, and but you could actually be going to bed um, early, then maybe you might consider that that's not the best thing to be doing. Does that mean? And, and you could drop that off just so you could actually get up a little bit earlier or that off so you could actually practice some meditation at night time. Maybe you watch less on Netflix or maybe you're on the phone less or find ways you can trim back the least important things to do more of the important things. Agreed. And one of the easiest ways to do that, and I run, there's a couple of different uh, resources that people can get this particular exercise, um, but looking at how you're cutting up the 168 hours in a week. And what I was speaking to the other night is of the, five years I've been teaching this particular exercise is that they're, they're literally of the literally couple of thousand people that have been taught this is that there's been one person that literally was in the red time wise because she was working full time, had a, had quite a, a high responsibility job where she traveled a lot, young kids that she basically was primary care of uh, and also was studying a, a postgraduate degree at the time, all these things going on. So she literally did not have enough time. And that's where delegation is so important. I think that's one of the keys is understanding what is it that, number one, how are you using that 168 hours a week? And you guys, you've got to add in how much time you're spending on social media, how much time you're watching telly, watching telly, watching telly, telly. Um, And look, I'm a massive fan of procrastination sometimes and daydreaming. I actually factor it into my week because it's an important part for me to recharge. Uh, I can't be productive 24-7. It's not how I'm wired. Some of you might be wired that way. I've I've got to actually factor in downtime, which I consider to be work these days. I actually factor that in as work. So meditation for me is work in the sense of if I don't do it, I'm not as good in my hands-on work. So that's another way of being able to reframe that as well. But I think when it comes to that is you're absolutely right, DK, is looking at what what do you value most? Uh, What can you delegate? You know, if one of the things that you're doing is... um, you know, having to, you really love your house a certain way and it needs to be cleaned. If you're so time deficit because of, of work, for example, is is it worthwhile investing in a cleaner if that's possible? Is there other yeah. things that you can actually farm out to different people so that, um, so that you actually can free up some time to be able to add more in? Or sometimes it's just not the right time to add that particular habit in right now. That's and right. that's okay. Yeah. Because yeah. we're all at different stages of life. Somebody asked me how I fit it in at the moment. It's really easy for me to fit stuff in because I, I currently live alone. Um, so I don't have family responsibilities that I had 12 months ago. 12 months ago, I still fitted it in, but I would design my week quite differently. I can be quite, uh, obviously, I can pr- please myself with my routines now. Um, but it's, it's making sure it all, all fits in. And, yeah. and I think... That value piece is so important uh, in terms of um, what it is that we're doing and how, how we are designing our life. Yeah. Well, DK, this has been a wonderful chat. I so enjoy getting to hang out with you and I feel very blessed that we've got to hang out. Well, how often we get to hang out, but particularly when you, uh, when you have come to Shell Harbour and, and shared with, 
the local community down there. It's something that I know is very much appreciated and loved and, and I love you for it and I love all the wisdom that you have shared with me on a personal level and also professional level and with my community over the years. Uh, and it's, uh, it was a beautiful way to uh, bring BQS Live big event to a close down in Shell Harbour. So, so much love and gratitude for you, my friend. Very much appreciated. And vice versa, Dr. M. Thank you so much for all the opportunity I'd be to go and share. And I love to share, I love to, you know, teach. So um, it makes me feel good that I have been able to do that and to be able to do it with you too. So thank you very much, Dr. M, for everything you've provided for me. Oh, you're so welcome, my friend. And um, and I know that we'll be doing things together in the future. I'm just not sure what they will look like. That's, that's next to you. Uh, <laughs> that's but right. just in case you didn't know, that's going to be happening. Um, but anyway, DK, thanks so much for today's chat. And uh, and I'm sure that we uh, I will be able to convince you to come back on Beat to Us uh, in the near future uh, so that we can perhaps expand on some of the things that we talked about today a little bit more. Thanks so much, DK. Thanks, Dr. M. Well, that's it for today's podcast, BQS listeners. Thanks again for joining us. Remember, if you would like to subscribe, make sure you hit subscribe on iTunes. And if you want to stay in touch, check out our Facebook page, The Queen of Stress, or on our Insta, The Queen of Stress. For more information and show notes, be sure to go to thequeenofstress.com to continue our journey together. Hope you have a fabulous week, and I'll catch you next time. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.